Welcome to my podcast, Follow Your Bliss, with me, Nicola Fisher. I'll be talking to people who inspire me and asking them about the journeys they've taken navigating change and how this has led them to find fulfilment and purpose. If you're on a quest to create a meaningful life for yourself, I hope these conversations inspire you too. Today's guest on the podcast is Katie Carlisle. Katie and I met several years ago, and since that time, I've always thought of Katie as the Squarespace Queen. Katie and I are both huge fans of Paul Jarvis and everything that he does. So, of course, we had to talk about Paul, and we also talk about finding our rat people. Among other topics, we have a chat about Katie's new side project, which is around the themes of sustainability and just living your life in a different way. Katie also talks about her experiences of becoming her own boss and creating a life for herself where work fits around what she loves to do. I hope you enjoy our conversation today. So hi Katie, it's great to have you on the podcast and I'm really looking forward to talking to you about what you've been up to and also that post that you shared on Instagram recently. So to get us started, do you want to just talk about The Wheel Exists and why that came about and what you've done since you started that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I first started The Wheel Exists in 2013, which is coincides when I first went freelance. And I think um, for a lot of people, when they went freelance, it's a specific project or a skill that they already have in mind that they think maybe they're already doing for somebody else and they could do for themselves and have more control over it. Whereas for me, the impetus to go freelance was actually just to be freelance and be my own boss. Um, so it's a bit different. I didn't actually know exactly what I was going to do when I went freelance. I just had this kind of overriding desire to do it. Um, and I think it was partly because I was working for um, a really interesting uh, nonprofit company that acted like a very kind of dynamic startup. And my old boss, who I'm still really good friends with, and she's one of my clients, she was really passionate about getting people to live the life they wanted and so she'd always kind of when we had all that monthly one-to-ones and reviews all the questions were like what do you want to do what do you want to do with your life how can this job help you to get there so within the company whilst I'd been there I'd been changing my job role a little bit so when I first started I was managing the education um, project but then I went more to the techie side of it because I found I really enjoyed updating the website and managing the online courses and identifying areas where we could save money and new tools that we could use. And so that was what got me really interested in all of the tech stuff and all the different tools that you could use to make life easier and help you not reinvent the wheel. Can you see where <laughs> this is going? Yeah. So um, it got got to the point where... I just, and a couple of my colleagues had left to set up their own businesses as well. Obviously, my boss had her own business. It just got to the point where that kind of pull got too strong to resist, really, for me. Mm -hmm. And um, financially, we'd just just got a mortgage and just bought a house. So I'd kind of held on to the stability of full-time employment for just long enough to get the mortgage. Mm -hmm. And get that all, you know, get the kind of initial house purchase stuff out of the way. So about... 
about four months after we bought our house together, we I, I decided to go freelance. And I was really fortunate in that my partner had a nice, sensible, well-paid job. And so it gave me a little bit of financial f- flexibility and I had a bit of savings as well to kind of start that. So when I first started, I did do quite a long notice period with my previous work because I wanted to kind of help them find you know a replacement for me yeah um and so I was working part-time on my new business for the first three months and then after three months I went full-time on it um and initially I'd kind of thought what I was going to do was a similar thing to what I'd been doing in that company in that in that kind of just but but doing it for lots of charities and non-profits or very small businesses that couldn't afford to pay people even part-time so I'd go in and manage the websites and upload blog posts for them and make sure that they're using the right tools for them and do a bit of an audit to see where I could save them money and make sure they weren't using tools that were you know really overly featured that they didn't need and setting people up on their email and all kinds of just little tasks like that 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 fall between the cracks and a lot of the times in most charities might have like an admin person but that admin person isn't necessarily skilled within technology uh you know they may be much better at kind of the organizing side than actually the tech understanding so that was always the plan so that was why I chose the wheel exists because I wanted to help other businesses not reinvent the wheel and help pair them up with technology that matched their needs um but before I kind of got to that point, my old one of my old colleagues who'd left to set up her business said, oh, actually, me and my husband both have our own businesses and we could do with having some websites. And I'd made little websites for kind of campaigns and stuff when I worked for the nonprofit. And so I said, yeah, I guess I'll have a go at that. You know, why not? I'd been using Squarespace. I'd, I'd um, come across Squarespace in my old job because my boss had sent me a link to say, look, this is an awesome website. Can we ever make one that looks like this? And I looked at the bottom, it said powered by Squarespace. And so that was kind of what got me on the Squarespace path. And I used it to make my own website just as an excuse to have a play around with it, really. And I just thought, oh, this is really good. So, you know, it's such a nice tool to use. And so I used that to make my colleague and her husband's websites. And they were really happy with them and they look really good. And so then other people kind of, you know, the people that she knew then saw it and got in touch with me and it just kind of spiraled from there really yeah. and before I knew it I was a web designer and I was like oh okay <laughs> cool why not um so you know I and I really enjoyed doing it and I did feel a bit of imposter syndrome at first because I didn't come from a formal web design background but I kept getting good feedback from clients and people kept referring me so you know that's kind of how I got here really was it's almost by accident I remember the time I met you I think it was at a networking event in Manchester maybe an FSB one and you were talking about different tools and I think even from then I always thought of you as sort of the Squarespace queen if you like (laughs) Um, you know, that's always been if, if anyone ever mentions Squarespace, I always think of you and you know, refer them to you or suggest a look at your website. So was what happened to you in terms of the, the changes that you went through and the evolution that you went through once you became freelance? Did you feel that you were sort of on a path that was taking you where you needed to be, or was it unclear at that point? I think for the first at least I'd say three years I didn't particularly have any end goal or direction or anything and 
it wasn't really, I think, until I started working with my business coach that I started actually going, okay, what do I actually want to do with this? What what am I trying to do? So I kind of just, I was very reactive at first, I think, as a freelancer and just yeah. sort of, um, maybe reactive is not the right word. I was proactive, but it was there was a lot of firefighting going on in terms of cash flow. So, you know, it was that kind of, right, okay, I'm scrabbling to get some money to pay the bills. And I just kind of took on projects, even if they weren't really a good fit. Um, I did originally do more than Squarespace, but then after about a year, I just went down to just doing Squarespace websites. And I was offering WordPress and, and Shopify support as well, but I, I just do Squarespace now. But um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't very strategic. I didn't really have a, a plan or an idea of what I wanted to do. Um, I started doing a little bit of training, which I do I really enjoyed. And I, I sort of said, I kept saying to everybody, oh, yeah, I want to do a bit more training. But I never really did anything to make that happen. So I was quite proactive in terms of going out and getting business to start with. Like I signed up for a trade to, to speak at a trade show. You had to buy a stand as well. So I went down to the business startup show in London um like literally the kind of uh, two months after I'd been full-time to force myself to go and talk to people and tell people about my business and everything and so that was a big kind of big way that I started getting business and I've still got clients now that I work with from that event back in 2014 yeah who keep coming back you know for updates and things um but other, but apart from the sort of the proactive actually getting business, I, yeah, I just didn't really think about it, and yeah. it wasn't until I spoke to other people who talked about their plans and everything that I thought actually, yeah, it'd be good to have a bit of direction and a goal and everything. Um, so I'd say probably from about yeah 2016 onwards, I started getting a little bit more strategic in terms of money, but also the kind of projects I wanted to do and reframing my offerings and I've just been trying to work on that ever since really and and kind Mm. of fine-tune it to the point where it's going the way I want it to go and the kind of services I offer are the ones that are enjoyable and fit in with my lifestyle and bring in enough money efficiently um so that's that's been my main focus yeah and I think that it was when when I really started to think about it as a sort of lifestyle business, as it were. Um, I was talking about this with somebody else the other day, that actually the term lifestyle business almost kind of belittles it a yeah, little bit. Yeah. Um, it's not like, oh, it's just a little hobby, you know, off you go, have some pocket money, off you go and spend your money on your little lifestyle business. It's a really, it's a serious business to me, but I want one that, I want a business that fits in with my life rather than it runs my life for me so what would that look like because I agree with you I'm not keen on the term lifestyle business because it does sound like you know it's just a bit of a sideline or a hobby um but I I see more and more people are wanting to work for themselves because it gives them that scope to create a life that actually aligns with their values and how they want to spend their time and where they find their sense of fulfillment. So is that the same for you? Is that what your your aims are? 
Yeah, I think it was something that I've always been interested in flexible working and kind of creative working hours. Even when I was employed, I kind of pioneered that a little bit of of kind of the working from home or working just, you know, I went, th- went through a phase of just working evenings and weekends and I didn't do any work in the day whilst I was employed just to see what happened, just as mm-hmm. an experiment. So I've always been really interested in habits and productivity and different ways of working. And so when I was freelance, that was kind of a fun way to experiment with it as well. Um, and so I think with the lifestyle stuff, yeah, it's, I mean, so one of the big changes that uh, we made recently was we moved from the Peak District, um, kind of on the outskirts of Manchester, and moved over to Anglesey. And being freelance was one of the ways, one of the reasons that we were able to do that. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons we moved was to spend more time outdoors. and. Yeah especially for me in the water like I love surfing and I got into outdoor swimming and paddle boarding and anything to do with the water really and so it's about trying to work out the best way to fit work around my life and it's the, the 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 challenge I'm facing at the moment is what I enjoy doing most is doing one to one or group workshop training but then that ties me to being in a very particular place at a particular time. And the weather and the waves do not always <laughs> fit in with yeah. that. And so I've been I've been avoiding doing online courses for the for the longest time. I've been resisting them. Uh, I you know I don't believe that there's such a thing as passive income. You 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 know, you still have to put effort into it and keep it up to date and everything else. Mm-hmm. And so I've been avoiding it for ages. But I have realised now that actually, A, it's a way for me to offer more training to more people who maybe don't have the budget to pay for one-to-one training with me. But Mm. also it's a way for me to still generate, uh, even if it's a small income stream, generate money whilst I'm out surfing you know I'll record it record it you know record it in the dark in the winter and then go out and enjoy the the weather and the and the water in the summer. I think as well, the two things feed each other. I think when you're doing something that you love, like um, you're surfing and being in the water, it has an impact on all the other things that you do as well, because you're coming from a different place. You know, if you're doing a Monday to Friday, nine to five and the daily commute and you haven't got that, I suppose it's the creative element, even though you're surfing, there must be a creative element to it. And um getting into that flow it it sort of feeds one thing feeds off another as well do you think it it makes your work better having the time to be able to devote to your swimming and your surfing yeah definitely I think I think I I mean like I've had various mental health problems I have anxiety I'm quite open to talking about it um and I think for me, if I just tried to go, you know, a hundred miles an hour and just work and I've done it, you know, I can do it in short bursts, but if I just mm-hmm. did nothing but work all day, every day, it would just break me. And so mm-hmm. I think having, having that time, having that time to, to step away from work, that is also a healthy and fulfilling thing to do is really good and you don't get me wrong I I still like to binge watch telly as well but but I think it's it's like it feels like a more constructive way to spend 
my time and when I when yeah when I when I just when I go in the water I just feel okay and it just it just kind of makes me go ah I can breathe again and and so yeah it just sort of resets me a little bit and um gets me in a better frame of mind you know if I'm if I'm having a bit of a rough time then getting in the sea is one of the things I can try and do if you know if I'm up to it I can try and get in the sea and that generally helps me to feel better and yeah. so then that has a better a positive more positive impact on the work that I'm doing as well and and that's yeah. something that you wouldn't be able to do if you had a conventional job but because you've created this life of your own you can factor those things in yeah exactly like I, I was thinking about that just over this winter because I was thinking wow yeah the people who work nine to five they will not get any daylight time they will not have yeah. the opportunity to get in the sea or get in the water in the daylight if they work those jobs so they must have to have like months and months of the year where they can't do it other than on weekends obviously mm. um and so yeah I feel really fortunate that I can I can spend some time in the week doing these things if I want to I mean actually as it happens we tend to do my partner and I tend to do weekends off just because that's when it's a bit quieter in terms of clients and customers for us. Mm. Uh, but the, what we what we tend to do, so for example, this afternoon, we were planning on working this afternoon, but we then we had a look at the surf forecast and it's looking pretty good. And so we said, right, okay, let's swap out this afternoon and we'll work on Saturday or Sunday instead for a few hours to make up that time. And so that's what it gives us. It gives us that flexibility to take advantage of where we live and take advantage of yeah. the good good surf or if it's a nice day and we want to just go out for an adventure with the dogs or whatever then we can and I think that's what was I think that's what is missing from the kind of conventional approach is that flexibility and I yeah. appreciate why you know for look you know for some jobs you're really grateful that they aren't flexible <laughs> you know, I'm forever happy that like you know certain like you know, especially like different like you know, service providers they don't just kind of go actually yeah no we're not gonna we're not gonna bother like we're not gonna bother having police on this afternoon we, we thought we'd just give them a break yeah <laughs> you know work for everything does no, it no exactly so but I think maybe there's a way to have more flexibility for more people um just by having a different mindset but i walked down the canal a few weeks ago um I don't know what time I don't know whether it's early afternoon and I just thought this is such a luxury to be able to do this and it was always the one thing when I was working full-time that I always wanted to be able to do I felt like I was missing daylight and the seasons um so it still feels like a big luxury to be able to do it so um Let's talk about the posts that you put on Instagram recently because I was really, it, it just sort of resonated with me when I read it. And um, as I said to you, it was one of those things that I could almost have written myself and with that <laughs> because you articulated so much that I've, I've been thinking about. So what what triggered that? What what is this project that you've had on a back burner that you've been thinking about? Yeah, so it's, yeah, the, the Untitled Project X is, 
<laughs> still still working out a name for it. But I think for a while I've had there's been topics that I've been interested in that haven't really quite fit into any of my existing kind of buckets, as it were. Yeah. So I've got I've got the wheel exists where I do talk about like on my you know on my Instagram and Twitter and everything I do I talk about topics that interest me beyond just the tools and the tech stuff, but. I primarily talk about freelancing. I want to I actually kind of move towards talking a bit more about Squarespace as well through the Wheel Exist stuff. And, you know, maybe other tools like Trello and like talking about kind of productivity stuff and what it's like to be freelance, but focusing much more on, you know, focusing more on the small business side. And then I've got Freelance Folk, which is the freelancer community that I run, which that's so then I talk about the stuff to do with freelancing in a more general sense and get contributions from the people. But there's this whole other section of my life that I felt like I've got stuff that I want to talk about and kind of and not just by myself, I want to talk about it with other people. Um, and I don't really have a specific outlet for it. So things mm. like sustainability, minimalism, living life a bit differently, you know, people who are not just kind of doing the norm and topics that I wanted to talk about that are not controversial is probably the wrong word but I just that the, you know decisions I've made that are unusual like I don't want to get married I don't want to have children mm. and just a place to talk about that with other people who appreciate even if they don't think the same way appreciate the kind of I guess life by design to use a phrase that one yeah. of my friends uses yeah. uh, my friend Michelle who's a business coach she she uses that phrase life by design which I think is really that really resonates with me people who've rejected yeah. the kind of what I call the production line of life of you know and it's it's you know some people are really happy doing this and it's not to say that it's wrong but for me the whole like I went to uni but then the whole go to university get a graduate job like meet your life partner get married, move to the suburbs, have two children, send them to a good school, work in a job you hate, retire. <laughs> like, that just isn't me. Like, yeah. like the, the idea of retirement feel, fills me with dread. Like, I want to keep working for as long as I can. I, I, I hate the idea of just sitting around knitting or whatever. Like, yeah. like and, and, and it's, you know, again, not that there's anything wrong with that, but that just isn't me. And and so, so this project was kind of partly spurred on by an interest in finding other people like that, partly in my interest in sharing around things about simple living and, like I say, minimalism and different ways of thinking. And then an element also of that of people who also do really like spending time outdoors so originally in my head, these were sort of various different separate projects. And so mm. I was going to do a podcast about minimalism and simple living. And then I was going to try and do a kind of meetup because I, I always want more excuses to go outside, basically. And I also want to connect with people in North Wales who are interesting and creative and, yeah, kind of not think exactly the same as me, but have the same values as me yeah. And, yeah. and kind of, you know, the same interest of doing things differently and so yeah it was kind of all these different projects and, that, and I've been sort of trying to decide which one to do first and so actually do you know what there's enough I think there's enough commonality in them in the type of people that would be interested in this that it is just one project yeah and so all of these things have been kind of coming together 
So the the kind of current plan is to have it as a sort of, um, I'm calling it a digital magazine, but it's basically a collection of articles. So I'll, I'll, I want to do six new articles every month on various topics. So um, not just minimalism, but stuff around habits, for example. Um, money is a really interesting one. So like, you know, and again, the topics kind of link into each other, but downsizing and spending less and buying less and value you know deciding you want to spend money really deliberately and intentionally mm. um stuff around health and mental health and just other inspirational people who are doing cool stuff I want to start sharing about all of that and create a community of people who think the same and keep it deliberately small Can and then try do you want to create a community of your rat people? I do, exactly. <laughs> and some people will be like, what is she talking about, rat people? So Nicola is the person who first introduced me to Love of My Life, Paul Jarvis. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 your fault. <laughs> well, I just thought we couldn't let the podcast go without mentioning his I, name. I mean, it's, it's, not a day, if it's, it's not a day with a wine if I haven't mentioned Paul Jarvis. Um, so, 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 yeah, for, for the uninitiated, Paul Jarvis is a, I guess he'd probably call himself a writer now, um, yeah. a, a freelance writer. He talks a lot about freelancing and the, again, about thinking differently and, uh, he published a book last year called Company of One, which was all about is growth really the answer and why staying small is, I think the tagline was like, why staying small is the next thing for big business or something like that. All about the kind of challenging that status quo around you've got to grow, you know, if you've got to be successful, you've got to hustle, you've got to grow, you've got to 10x your income mm. and all of this. He was just very much talking about the antidote to that. So the the rat people thing is he he doesn't anymore actually it's really I sad know, I but know. he he used to have pet rats yeah and he used to talk about them quite a lot and so his followers kind of just dubbed themselves his rat people um, and so that's that's why yeah it's kind of his tribe basically are yeah. are kind of known as his rat rat people um, because of his love of rats but he's but he said yeah he's not having any more it's so sad because like he they die too quickly and he can't handle oh, it it's traumatic when you lose pets and I know even I used to have hamsters and every time something happened to one of them I was absolutely beside myself because you get so attached so I can understand it but I'm not sure I wonder whether how long he'll last without getting some more rats. yeah yeah maybe just <laughs> bit of a break to let his heart yeah, yeah. I, I think it's interesting that um you say you know all these things you you want to bring under one umbrella because to me they're very connected and like Paul he's sort of got his his values that wrap around everything that he does and he talks about a whole range of topics now mm. um but I think it's about finding those people who think like you do or they value similar things and then that's that's sort of what holds it all together yeah that's why because because I was when I was thinking about this side project and I was thinking who who is it for like you know bef before I start this I want to be clear on the audience for it and 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 also to help me think about what I'm going to talk about 
And so I, I wrote what I was kind of, you know, nominally calling a manifesto. Yeah. And that really helped me because it was, it was then able to articulate if you are one of, if, if you read this and one of these things, if you identify with a couple of these things, you know, this is for you. And it's mm -hmm. that kind of almost deliberately restricting it, you know, again, just to reference Paul Jarvis, he once sent a newsletter titled, I deliberately put people off. And I really like that idea of, of, of being very, very focused and saying, right, this is for you. If you agree with these, if you feel like this too, this is a place for you. If you don't, mm -hmm. then that's fine. And there's plenty of places on the internet that probably do suit you really well. Yeah. But rather than trying to have something that appeals to a mass audience, have something that's deliberately small. And I mean, have, have you heard of the idea of the thousand true fans? Yes, yes. And that's something that I really like as well, the idea that, and it doesn't even have to be a thousand, it's just that that was an article yeah. that was written um, probably 10 years ago now, I think originally, or maybe even longer ago, but um, the idea that you don't have to have like a million customers to be successful, you just have to have a small audience who are really bought into what you do. And yeah. if they are really engaged and are willing to pay for whatever it is that you offer, then you just need a small number of people to make that happen. And I really like that idea. Yeah, I like that as well, because I think sometimes, um, especially on social media, people are chasing the numbers of followers. But if you look at the people who are actually following you, there's probably a high percentage that would never be interested in working with you or buying what you offer. Um, so the ones, it's always the ones that are engaged with you that are interested in if you're running a business and you're wanting to grow it. But, yeah, definitely. Um, I think when I read that post, you said a few things like marching to the beat of your own drum, um, wishing you could spend more time outdoors, caring about your impact. Um, and the, the thing that also popped out for me was not knowing all the answers yet. Because I think um, with things like climate change, I've kind of got some views of my own on what you can do as an individual. But I don't know if I'm right. I don't know if I'm wrong. I don't know whether they're founded on any scientific basis. But it's it's having somewhere where you can kind of try ideas out as well and just, um, you know, bat ideas back and forth or read someone else's opinion and it shapes your thoughts. And I think that's that's a really good place to be. Yeah, that's another good reason to have a small community that it creates a bit more of a safe space to have those discussions without yeah. feeling like you're going to get somebody, you know, putting really negative posts on, especially around the topic of sustainability. I think, you know, I, I heard that 2020 is the year of flight shaming. And, you know, <laughs> that, that, is, that, that is a thing. And it's great that people are starting to recognise the impacts and making changes yeah. and kind of do stuff. But that's the thing that I find really difficult. And I've heard a few people say, I really want to post about sustainability and the things I'm doing, but I'm really scared to talk about it because I just know that there'll be people come on and for every good thing I'll be doing, they'll come and criticise the things that I'm either not doing or the things that I'm still doing that aren't correct. Like, oh, well, you think you're making a difference by reusing your milk bottles. You drive a car. Who are you to say anything? And there's always, there's always that kind of, oh, you're never doing enough you know it will never be enough and I just okay. I, I, that's, I just think that's really sad that we're not being yeah. encouraging and we're not trying to kind of 
lift each other up and saying, do you know what? I can see that that was a really big deal for you to make that commitment to do it and to change your behaviors. That's fantastic. And you just start doing one thing and that's brilliant. And so I do, I definitely, that's another thing that I, I think I'd want to make sure to capture in this project is that it's all quite positive. And even if I'm sharing something that's a struggle or a challenge that I couch it in terms of, and this is how I'm going to overcome it, or this is what I'm trying to do to overcome it. And whether I overcome it or not, at least I'm not just wallowing and or being negative. Yeah. Um, it's about learning as well. Um, you know, I wouldn't call myself by any stretch of the imagination an expert, but it's trying to do something that you think has a worth to it and something that you feel is going to have some sort of impact. I wrote a blog post, um, I don't know, a couple of months ago about some of it just comes back to us as individuals as well. And I think it's not just about the bigger picture and climate change and all that sort of stuff, but it's how we look after ourselves. And can you look after the planet if we don't actually look after ourselves, first of all? Um, and that's that's sort of something that I keep thinking about and it keeps coming back up. Um, but, you know, I think it's sometimes it's just about putting things right with you. And if everybody did that, then it has that ripple effect that goes out. Um, and then you really do start having an impact. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like, there's one of the posts that I want to write is uh, a kind of updated version of something I wrote years ago, probably, probably more than 15 years ago, I wrote it originally, and I don't have the original post, but I remember the title. And it was sometimes you just have to throw it in the bin. And I'm going to rewrite that blog post, because it was just, it I was starting to get into sustainability and I was volunteering a lot for Friends of the Earth in Manchester and really trying to kind of, you know, do as much as I could to be more sustainable. And this is something that anybody who's tried to kind of do the right thing has probably come up against. If, when you, when, if you're trying to get rid of something and you're trying to find a way to get rid of it in a sustainable way. And you can exhaust so many options and spend so many hours looking for ways to get rid of this thing. And ultimately I was hanging on to stuff and cluttering up my own house because I was like, well, I can't figure out a way to get rid of it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think this is before free cycle took off but there was even some things that wouldn't have been appropriate for free cycle or wouldn't have been right for a charity shop but the wouldn't you know the local recycling um curbside recycling didn't take them and I think you couldn't take them to the tip I it's just stuff that just fell through the cracks and I just refused to get rid of it because I was like well I can't get rid of it because it's then it's going to go into landfill and one of my um one of my friends said to me like okay, so you're just going to use your house as a landfill instead. And that just really resonated with yeah. me. And I was like, oh, my God, you're right. That is what I'm doing. I'm just, like, piling up all of this stuff in my house because I don't know what I don't know how to get rid of it in a sustainable way. And and so, yeah, I, wrote, I, wrote, I just remember writing this post going, yeah, sometimes you just have to throw it in the bin. Yeah. And it just then created a better environment for me at home because I was finally able to kind of give myself permission to get rid of stuff and that's something else that we've gone through recently here, having moved house, we've downsized. We live in probably a house probably about half the size of our previous house. 
And so a lot of our furniture physically didn't fit. We've got rid of what we can via eBay, FreeCycle, local community, you know, organizations. But there's some stuff that, you know, even even taking it to the tip, they don't recycle it. And again, it's that, and I felt that reluctance coming back to get rid of it because I was like, oh, I hate putting things in landfill. But yeah, ultimately, we're like, look, we want to have a, an environment that makes us happy. And I know living in a really cluttered, messy environment doesn't make me happy. Mm. And and so that's the thing that like you were saying, look after yourself first, almost so that you're in a position to do more. And yeah. for me, I'm just I just think just talking about it and talking about these dilemmas and and because for some people they're probably chucking stuff away without even thinking about it. So if if me sharing that makes some people go, oh, actually, I hadn't even thought about the fact that I could give this away on FreeCycle or something, then maybe that makes a difference. Um, I don't know. I, I think it is It is quite a minefield if you don't live and breathe it every day. And, you know, you just come across it every now and again when, you know, you're decluttering or you're moving house and or you get something that you can't put in one of your recycle bins and, it's it it can be quite a minefield so what where are you going to go with this project what's your plan with that at the moment so the plan is i'm gonna launch it in april and so there'll be six six articles every month on a range of topics like i've mentioned so mm -hmm. some of it'll be stuff that i've written some of it'll be posts from guest contributors and then i'm gonna try I'm going to, I'm hoping to do a podcast relating to it uh, probably a solo podcast because that's just something I've not tried doing before so yeah. it's it's a nice way to experiment so what I'll probably do is just maybe even starting with just one episode a month to start with just to see how it goes I might try and do it a bit more frequently if I can but taking some of the themes that have come up in the articles and just kind of going into a bit more depth about them and then hopefully finding some people I've got I've got a kind of hit list of cool people that I found through stalking in the in the North Wales area so I'm going to reach out to them and say look I've got this project and I really want to have some kind of outdoors meetup maybe when it's a bit warmer where we can just talk about some of the stuff that I've written about or would you like to contribute to it and then we can meet up and have a chat about it and just try and find other people to I really like the idea of kind of going outside and either maybe having a little picnic or something and spending time outdoors talking about interesting things and meeting interesting people um but again keeping it quite small and keeping it within that community so it's not a networking event and it's not just for freelancers but it probably will be during the day in the week and so it would sort of be more for people that have already taken that decision to have yeah. that flexibility yeah. in their lives um yeah. A group so that, of like-minded people, really. Yeah, exactly. If I could get, you know, four or five people to meet up with every couple of weeks, just as, a, you know, nice way to chat about challenges and, you know, oh, you know, we can have a theme for discussion every every time we meet and things like that. And um, like I say, I've got about 10 categories to cover yeah. in, the, in the magazine. So, um, yeah, if anyone has any ideas for what to call <laughs> it, that's what I'm stuck yeah. on thinking I've been thinking all I think the um going against the grain or something no, that's one of my ones on my list uh yeah, like off the beaten path going against the grain it's finding the social media handles that are available yeah. for 
for it as yeah. well as the challenge. So, so probably go on Insta and Twitter for it at least. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so in terms of where you are now um, and where you've been since 2013, what do you think you've changed a lot do you think you're living perhaps more authentically and more in alignment with who you are as a result of what you've done over the past few years yeah definitely like I think it's a bit cliche to say like I found myself I don't really feel that but like I feel like almost like every year I just get a bit more me if that makes sense so like I sort of did the, you know, I did the sensible job and, you know, went you know, went into teaching and I did that. And I left, leaving that was a big catalyst for me to kind of go, no, I'm going to ignore what everybody says I should do and do what I want to do. Um, and then sort of working, so then I worked in sustainability for six years in a couple of different companies. So then that was, again, that kind of, it was almost like an unfurling of layers and so kind of you know the first layer was peeled back when I took you know when I when I said no I'm not going to do this job that everyone thinks I should do and then once I kind of got into like that world of you know working in for for a subject that I was passionate about and then I was like okay I really like I'm really enjoying this but what can I do beyond that okay actually I could work for myself and then it was and I think it's that thing once you start once you start questioning the status quo with one area of your life, it leads mm. you to do it in all areas of your life. So if you kind of, if you feel like, oh, it's not possible, and then you, one area of your life it is, you're like, oh, okay, well, I mean, I never thought that I would, I never really even thought about being freelance, and now I am. And mm. okay, so maybe we can move to be living by the sea and maybe we can make that happen and uh you know actually our, in our, our long-term plan is to move to Canada right and so um you know that's kind <laughs> of a, that bit of Canada that would be <laughs> sorry I wonder which bit of Canada that might be well I'm very very cross with Harren and Maggie Harren and Maggie <laughs> Harry and Megan for stealing Vancouver Island because that's where we were going to go um yeah so just to stop Paul Jarvis a little bit yeah. more um but it wasn't because of Paul Jarvis I promise um yeah so we want to move to Tofino which he has lived in yeah um, but he doesn't currently live in but yeah it's um it's so funny because obviously I live in Anglesey now where Wills and Kate were and then hopefully moving to Vancouver Island where Harry and Meghan are it's just apparently yeah like the royals are just stealing my dreams and living where I want to live. Like just getting there a few years ahead of me. Uh, but that's our that's our kind of 10, 10 to fifteen year plan is to yeah. move over there. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty hard if you're self employed. So we that's why it's a bit of a long term plan because it's just not possible right now. Yeah. Um, well, that sounds really great, and I'm so excited about your new project, and I can't wait to see how that unfolds. Um, but it's been lovely talking to you, Katie. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing your journey over the past few years and um, just talking about everything that's important to you as well. And of course, Mr. Jarvis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much. Thanks for having and, me on. Um, brilliant. Look forward to speaking with you again soon. That's great. Thanks, Nicola. 
I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast as much as I did. You can find me online at Seed to Source. And if you'd like to share your story of personal change, do get in touch. Thanks for listening and I hope you have a wonderful week.